so I should stop talking. Hey! If you don't recognize my voice, that's probably because you don't listen to the credits. My name's Leah Hagen, I'm the writer and director of Overkill, and I am so happy that you downloaded this podcast today. Or, you know, whatever day you downloaded this podcast. For me, it's December 6th, which is Overkill's one-year anniversary of existing, which is unbelievable. I'm so thankful for everyone who has listened, and I hope that you can support us in any way, whether that means following Gal Pals Present on Instagram, Twitter, or Tumblr, or leaving a five-star review on iTunes, which really helps us find listeners and is the best free thing you can do. The next episode of Overkill will be our two-part season finale. This episode is extra long and extra exciting for us, which means we'll be taking some extra time with it. Expect to hear it on January 17th, 2019. After that, we'll be taking a brief hiatus before Season 3 starts in the spring. We have to rest, you know. Thanks for listening. Wait, Juan, you didn't introduce yourself. I don't need to. <laughs> you don't think so? Nah, they know who I am. <laughs> Here's the thing about Sophie's mom, Helen. I don't hate her, but I do dislike literally every single thing about her. So when she picked me up for my sleepover with Sophie, I was already in a mad mood. I guess it's cool of her to let me sleep over at all. Sophie tells her mom everything, so she knows we're, well, more than friends, I guess. Not Facebook official, but, like, at least a Snapchat Red Heart situation. But Helen still lets us hang out all the time, which I guess is cool. Even if I do have to spend the night on the living room couch. Of course, it wouldn't be Helen if she didn't find a way to ruin an otherwise chill situation. I slid the minivan door open, and Helen looked back at me, whistling a little. Quite a house you've got, she said. I looked at Sophie and rolled my eyes. Thanks, I said. Built it myself. I know it's probably in my best interest to be nice to her, but I hate it when people talk about my parents' stupid stuff like it matters. And she is seriously so annoying. Whenever she looks at me, I can tell she's thinking about what happened to me at Harding. She thinks she knows more about it than I do. She doesn't know anything. It's so matronizing. And she's a total fake psychic, just by the way. I heard her on the radio the other day. The radio! I was in an Uber on the way back from school, and the driver had some weird old people station on, and suddenly her stupid voice was scraping away at my ears. The radio hosts were at least a little jokey about her whole local psychic vibe, but they still let her take callers. I hated it, like, so much. And apparently, she might be starting a podcast. Why does everyone think they can make a fucking podcast? In typical mom fashion, she said she had just a couple errands to run before we headed back to their place. It was not just a couple. Sophie and I waited in the car during her trip to the pharmacist, the gas station, and a second-hand store where she grabbed a quick gift for her niece's sister-in-law's baby shower. 
Sophie and I played Knuckles, which I won, but only because Sophie was too afraid to actually hit me. And then we downloaded Heads Up from the App Store and screamed song lyrics at each other until a guy tapped on the window and asked if we were okay. We both freaked out because he basically popped out of nowhere. Then Helen drove us to Walmart. She parked way in the back of the massive lot, so there was a buffer of empty spaces on either side of her minivan. This was extra annoying because it was raining out. The windows were soaked, and all I could see of the parking lot were the fading orbs of light from each of the individual street lamps. They looked kind of like the weird flashes you see in photos sometimes. The cement glowed under them. A haze of headlights reflected from the street. All right, ladies, Helen said, looking back at us. Want to come inside this time? I'll get you each one sweet one. Sophie and I looked at each other and I shrugged. <laughs> I mean, why not, right? None of us had any remotely rainproof clothes, so we decided to run for it. Helen told us to meet at the self-checkout kiosks, and then she bolted. Sophie looked at me and grinned, her dimples sinking into her rounded cheeks. Race, she said. I squeezed her hand, and she let mine go. We both ran out of the car. Sophie was on the side, closer to the store, so she had a head start, but I was way faster. I followed her receding back, my useless sandals kicking through the puddles and soaking my uncovered toes. She whipped her head back, and our noses nearly skimmed. She shrieked right in my face, and I blinked, slowing instinctively. She pulled ahead. I flailed, reaching for her, and got a fistful of her shirt. I tugged. Ah, she said. Ha, I said. She skidded to a stop, but kept pulling to the left, so I had to pivot just to hold on. And then I saw something in the dim light of the parking lot. I let go of Sophie. It was just a quick glimpse, but... I could tell it was big, like Alaskan bullworm big. It looked kind of like a massive armored fire hose dragging across the parking lot, except it had, yeah, it, it looked like it had legs. I couldn't see where its body started. And then it was gone. What's wrong? Sophie asked. I blinked and turned to her. Her curls were flattening rapidly in the rain. I shook my head. Later, I said. I grabbed her wrist and yanked her into the store, out of breath even before we began to run, my whole ass heart in my throat. Walmart seemed as safe a place as any. At least there were people inside. When we got to the kiosk, Sophie looked at me all worried. Helen was oblivious, as you'd expect, and told us to meet her in the front in 30. She wandered off to examine their wilting produce.
I hadn't been in Walmart in ages. My parents are more Whole Foods ordered from Instacart people. But this store was fucking massive. Like a single story mall. From where I stood, I could see a men's, women's, and kids' clothes section, including formal, daily, and sleepwear. Plus what seemed like an acre dedicated to snacks and soda and a chocolate factory worth of candy. Sophie pulled me into the book aisle because it was completely empty. There were a few mega-popular young adult books and... A whole section of poorly disguised women's erotica. What happened? Sophie asked again, but I shook my head. I wanted to play a game. And, of course, Sophie was like, Oh, you mean find the worst romance novel title? Because I already did. She pointed at a book called... My Christmas Cowboy's Recipe for a Rough and Ready Ride, which featured a sexy Santa and no less than four men on horseback. I laughed, but still said no. Hide and seek. The store was perfect for it. We decided the boundaries would be the beauty section on the left and the wall of half-dead goldfish on the right. We had a brief argument about whether we should be allowed to hide in the loading dock. The double doors were open, and the soaking wet delivery guy had hustled off towards the bathroom. But we weren't sure how long it would be unlocked. We decided against it. Sophie hid. I saw it. I counted to ten, waited for her footsteps to fade out, and then opened my eyes. She was gone. I kept counting to 20 just so she wouldn't know I was cheating. Then I grabbed my one sweet, a Kit Kat, which I have always insisted is the best candy bar of all time. I walked through the jewelry and accessories towards the toy aisle, which gave me cotton candy flavored war flashbacks. I twisted the heads of the off-brand dolls all the way around until I had a shelf full of exorcism Barbie. And then I walked through the baby aisle, which was split perfectly into pink and blue, a desperate attempt to maintain gender for the next generation. I looked inside a crib, only half-joking. Sophie was taller than me, but tricky. You just never knew where she'd be. I sped walked past the gun counter and skimmed the hardware section. Then I made it to photo. Stock photos of white families beamed down at me. There was a sign on the 24-hour print counter that said, Out to lunch. It was quiet. Too quiet. I could hear Sophie breathing. I moved forward and scouted the situation. The counter had two entrances, right side and left, which meant it had two exits. No matter where I stepped in, she'd have the opportunity to run out the other side. So, I just sighed. Come out, I said. It's over. Sophie shot up surprisingly fast. Not until you tag me, she said. 
I rolled my eyes and reached for her, but she stepped back, and the 30 inches of formica between us proved to be insurmountable. We stared at each other, all, this store ain't big enough for the both of us, and then she rushed out the right side, and I scrambled to catch up to her. I chased her through electronics, where all the TVs were playing Despicable Me, surrounding us with dozens of minions in every shape and size. My shitty fucking sandal broke, flopping wildly around my foot, and I slowed to shake it off, leaving it on the concrete floor. Sophie had made it to the frozen food, skidding past the vegan substitutions, and then she stopped. I ran up and tagged her before I realized that she was looking at something. Holy fuck, I said. There was a monster in the frozen food aisle, haloed by the freezer's fluorescent lights. Its top half was a horse, its mane gnarled, a wad of blackish gum caught in the silvery hair. I couldn't see its eyes. Uh, not with the cold air clouding out the freezer's open door, but it was nosing at a box of microwavable mac and cheese. Its head shifted and knocked over half a dozen banquet frozen dinners. And then I heard the clatter of its legs against the linoleum. There were at least two dozen of them, rigid and curved like yellowing fangs, and they were all tapping anxiously at the ground. Sophie and I could have gone and gotten all the bug killer in that Walmart, and trust me, there was a lot of it, and I'm pretty sure that half-millipede would still prove to be invincible. Or maybe it was a half-centipede. I've never really known the difference. I wanted to run, but Sophie was still frozen in front of me. Madison... She tittered, and I realized that she actually sounded excited, which, Jesus, classic Sophie, and she thinks I'm the one who would get killed? I shook my head and grabbed her arm, my fingernails digging into her skin as I jerked her backwards. The thing was undoubtedly creepy. Powerful, too. Working with Richard has helped me to sense that shit, to see the monster shining like it had its own personal Instagram filter. Just standing near it felt like being a pregnant lady next to a microwave. I took a step back, but my remaining sandal slapped loudly against the bottom of my foot. It looked up at us. It had a white diamond on its gray nose. Its eyes were huge and dull, a matte black that failed to reflect light. It stepped forward, and I shoved Sophie behind me. It bent its head. I was even with its wet nose, could feel its warm, slightly smelly breath blowing over my newly tweezed eyebrows. Then its tongue unfurled and it licked the side of my head. I closed my eyes. It took me a second to realize 
It was trying to drink the water that was dripping from my hair. Okay, I thought. I can work with this. The cryptid pulled away. It looked at me, and I realized how prominent its cheekbones were. How little fat clinged to its ribs. It was hungry. I reached carefully into my pocket and pulled out my Kit Kat. My one sweet. The horse thing sniffed at the chocolate bar, still covered in its wrapper, and bit straight into the plastic. Its wet lips pressed against my hand, and instead of being grossed out, I felt kind of amazing. It was like static electricity, like shoving a fork into a plug socket, dropping my hair dryer in the tub. I thought this was maybe how people felt when they did drugs, all jumpy and full. The monster's legs skittered in place. I think it had a fucking sugar high. Its eyes were still dull, but wider, more open. I got the weirdest feeling when I met its gaze. It was like looking at the sun for too long. The world flashed black. And then, just for a second, I saw a face. Smoky eyeshadow. Lip gloss. It was Aya! The freaking inescapable ghost girl. And then the centesteed pulled away. The rest of the chocolate between its teeth, the Kit Kat, not even broken into bars. It's graveled off. I watched its tail swing across the ground towards the loading dock. Sophie's head was still peeking over my shoulder. What the fuck was that? She whispered. I don't know, I said. I closed my eyes. I could feel all this irritation swelling up in my stomach and pressing at my throat. I knew exactly where I could find the fucking answer. And that pissed me off. I told everyone that I didn't care about answers. <laughs> Obviously, I did. I do. Sophie, I said, turning around. Do you think your mom would drive us to Harding? Overkill is written and directed by me, Leah Hagen. The voice of Madison is Christina Gatton, and Juan Giordano is our sound person. Thank you so much for listening, and if you want to support our show, go back and rewind and listen to the beginning of this episode when I told you how to do that. Also, check us out on Patreon, at Present. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in January with our season two finale. Overkill.